What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 134, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 258 pay-per-view going down tomorrow night, Saturday, February 13, 2021, headlined by Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. This 12-fight car will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Just a recap of the last event, I did predict 8 out of 12 fights correctly on the podcast last week, but sadly lost 2.5 units in official track bets, which means I have lost on all 4 events in 2021 so far, off to a pretty cold streak on official track bets. However, I am persisting through it. These things happen in betting sometimes. You're going to go on bad streaks, but you can't lose confidence. You got to keep persisting through it, and you got to keep trying to grind out that profit, and let's hope we can do that this weekend, but be weary tracking my bets. We are on a cold streak, so uh, track and tail these bets at your own risk, but with that being said, we're going to get into the first fight on the card, which takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Jillian Robertson taking on Miranda Maverick. The current betting line on Bet Online is Maverick minus 146 to Robertson plus 126. I agree with where this line is at now. I think there even could be some value left on Miranda Maverick at that favorite price. I do like this matchup for her, mostly because Jillian Robertson just looks so terrible in her last fight. It was only about six weeks ago, two months ago against Talia Santos. She made a lot of bad grappling mistakes there. She pulled guard. She jumped guillotine. She went for sloppy takedowns. Robertson just looked very physically weak and got outgrappled in that fight. Robertson was outgrappling most of her opponents to get her wins, but I don't think she really faced that many strong grapplers. Miranda Maverick is a pretty solid grappler offensively and defensively, so I think that Miranda Maverick has the takedown defense to stop Robertson's takedowns. If she gets put on her back, I trust Maverick to escape that bottom position a lot more. Robertson got put on bottom versus Talia Santos in all three rounds and did not get back to her feet one time. I mean, she spent about 13 minutes on her back in that fight, just a terrible performance all around. And in the striking here, you got to favor Miranda Maverick as well. She's got that southpaw striking. She kind of got hit a little bit versus Liana Jojua in her first UFC fight, but she adapted. She started out striking Jojua. She did a lot of damage to Jojua and eventually got a first round cut stoppage in that fight. So Maverick striking is the better of the two. She's got some power behind her strikes. And I just think Maverick is, is a lot more physical. She's the better athlete. And she has the takedown defense, the defensive grappling to stop the offensive takedowns of Jillian Robertson. And that's why I'm going to be picking Miranda Maverick to win here. I think that Robertson needs takedowns to win. While Maverick can win this fight striking, she can win the fight grappling herself. And she just has a lot more ways to win. So I like Miranda Maverick here. I could see a TKO if the fight stays standing. I think there is a big striking advantage for Miranda Maverick, and we have seen Robertson shell up, get finished before by Macy Barber, so it's entirely possible we see a TKO in the feet for Maverick, but I'll go with a safe pick and pick decision, Miranda Maverick by decision, and at that minus 150 price, I think there is some value left on her. I won't be fully endorsing any women's MMA bets for the time, but I do like the value on Maverick, and I'm pretty confident in her to win this one, so the pick is Maverick by decision. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Gabe Green taking on Phil Rowe. The current betting line on Bet Online is Green minus 129 to Rowe plus 109. We have Rowe making his UFC debut here. Green fighting in the UFC for the second time. Green filled in on short notice and fought Daniel Rodriguez in his first fight. And although he was thoroughly outstruck in that fight, I thought he had a good showing. He hadn't fought in about two years. He came off the couch on about five days notice and he had good cardio, good output. He was tough, extremely durable. He fought most of his career at 155, so moving up to 170. He was better hydrated. He could eat shots better. 
very good durability on display from Green in that fight. He had some big shots from Rodriguez. And that's a big advantage that I give to Green in this fight because Phil Rowe does not have good durability. We've seen him get knocked out. We've seen him get rocked by kind of glancing shots on the Contender Series by Leon Shabazian. So I definitely don't really trust the durability or the chin of Phil Rowe while we know we can trust the chin and durability of Gabe Green. I also like the offensive striking of Gabe Green a lot better. He's got solid boxing, very fast head kicks. He threw a very high output on short notice versus Daniel Rodriguez, and I expect him to look even better here in terms of cardio. And Phil Rowe, which is kind of basic. He's got basic striking, orthodox striking, decent boxing, occasional leg kicks. We just haven't really seen too much from Phil Rowe. He only has about 20 minutes of footage available on the internet, and he hasn't been too active, hasn't fought in over a year. In terms of grappling for this fight, neither guy is very likely to hit offensive takedowns, but in terms of defensive grappling, we haven't seen good things from either guy, but I think Phil Rowe has the worst defensive grappling. We've seen him make some bad mistakes, like pulling guard against low-level opponents. We've seen him get taken down, play guard for extended periods of time, and I don't really like the defensive grappling of either guy. I don't think it'll be a huge factor in this fight, but it's something to consider. I do give Green an advantage everywhere here. I think he's got the better output, better striking. I think he's a bit more proven. I gave him a durability advantage. So I like Gabe Green here. I would cap him closer to 60, 65%. I think there's some value left on that minus 129 price. Have not tracked any bets on Green yet, but if this price keeps trending in the right direction, I probably will end up with some action on Green because I think that this line is a bit off right now. I think that Green should be a bigger favorite and I might end up with some action tracked on Green. So make sure you check my official bet and my tips page. I could even see a finish for Green along the lines here because of that durability problems that we've seen from Rowe. I'll go with the decision for Gabe Green, but the TKO props for Green are very live here. So once again, pick is Gabe Green by decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Ricky Simone taking on Brian Kelleher. The current betting line on Bet Online is Simone minus 241 to Kelleher plus 206. I think these odds are a bit wide. I would cap Simone closer to 65% here, and the odds currently have him at 70, so there is some value there, but I'm not extremely confident in Brian Kelleher to do the right things to capitalize on his moments here and win this fight. The striking between these two will be competitive. I think that Kelleher is the better pure striker of the two, but when you factor in that Simone's going to be pressuring Kelleher, put him on the back foot, throwing a lot of volume. Simone might win the striking exchanges in the eyes of the judges by being the more aggressive and active fighter. And there's a problem with Kelleher at times is he doesn't really make the striking count when that should, like in the Cody Stamen fight, his last fight, or second to last fight. He was able to avoid being outgrappled by Stamen in that fight, but he just didn't make the striking exchanges count while they were at distance, and he did lose that fight via a lopsided decision. And that's really my worry here is that Simone's going to be mixing in takedowns. He's going to be active, pressuring, aggressive. He's going to be doing a lot of activity. And Kelleher is going to have to overcome all that Simone activity by stuffing takedowns, by landing clean hard shots in the feet, likely chopping down the legs of Simone to limit the mobility of Ricky Simone, and that's just a lot to rely on Kelleher to do. He's going to have to put together a really good fight to win this one. I think it's going to be very hard for Kelleher to win on a decision because he's just going to be at a volume disparity. So Kelleher is probably going to have to finish Simone. Simone isn't the most durable. We've seen him get rocked and finished by Uriah Faber somewhat recently. 
So it's not completely out of the question that Kelleher is able to land a big punch, possibly rock or knock out Simone here. But if you think that that happens, I would probably advise just taking the Kelleher no scorecards prop if you have access to that, possibly the Kelleher knockout prop because I do not see Kelleher having the volume to win a decision here. So the pick for me is going to be Ricky Simone by decision. That Simone by decision prop at like minus 120, minus 130 does have some value. I think that a Simone decision here is very, very likely. I think like 55, 60%. I do see value on that prop. I just checked it's minus 125. So I will likely end up with a bet tracked on Simone by decision here. So once again, pick Simone decision. The next fight is a catchweight fight at 140 pounds between Chris Gutierrez and Andre Yule. The current line on bet online is Gutierrez minus 141 to Yule plus 121. This fight was put together on very short notice. Yule was supposed to fight Cody Stamen last week, but that fight was canceled. Now Gutierrez is the one coming in here on short notice, so that's a bit of a concern over Gutierrez. He doesn't have to cut as much weight down to that bantam weight limit, so that should help him. But there's definitely a factor of that short notice here you gotta consider. This is a good late addition to the card. Should be a pretty fun fight. Both these two guys are strikers. I think any grappling in this fight should be pretty rare. And we're going to see these two strike on the feet. And the biggest factor comes down to the leg kick for Gutierrez because Andre Yule in his past three fights has absorbed 20 leg kicks from Marlon Vera, 21 leg kicks from Jonathan Martinez, and 18 leg kicks from Erwin Rivera. And he checked very few of those. And Yule just has that big long stance where he's very heavy on his legs and doesn't check leg kicks well. And of course, if you've watched Chris Gutierrez fight, you know that his leg kicks are his biggest weapon. He switches stances and attacks both legs inside and outside. It's really fun the way he sets up those leg kicks. He has good feints. He's got some pretty solid boxing to go along with it. Yule's a very skilled striker as well. He's very long for the weight class. He's got a nice straight left hand with some power behind it. And he targets the body well. He digs body punches, hurts his opponents to the body well. And that's always a good thing you like to see. Opponents not just targeting the head. And Yule definitely mixes it up to the body and head very well. On the flip side of that though, Yule is not very durable to body shots. We've seen him get hurt to the body before. The Jonathan Martinez fight, he got hit to the body twice in that fight where he looked pretty visibly hurt, was kind of walking backwards trying to act like he wasn't hurt, but the commentators pointed it out. It definitely looked like Yule was hurt to the body a little bit. There's also that cardio concern around Andre Yule. He comes out hard in round one, and I think his output and his power drops off significantly after round one. He can still have a good round two, but by round three, he's slowed down significantly, and he tends to lose round three a lot of the times. Yule has been to decision four times in his UFC career, and three of those decisions were split decisions, so that kind of shows that he allows fights to be closer than they should be at times. And I know I mentioned that grappling shouldn't be a factor in this fight, but you still have to mention that Andre Yule is a very weak defensive grappler, spends a lot of time getting taken down and put on his back, doesn't do a good job of getting back to the feet. And that probably won't be a factor here, but there's just a lot of question marks around Andre Yule. He gets hurt to the body. He tends to slow down in fights. He's not a great defensive grappler. So I think there's too many uh, red flags to really be trusting Yule here, especially with the leg kicks. He doesn't check leg kicks, and Gutierrez is a great leg kicker. And that's really the reason why I'll be picking Gutierrez in this fight is because I just do not trust Andre Yule to check leg kicks. And against Chris Gutierrez, that is a recipe for disaster. And I think Gutierrez likely outstrikes Yule here chops down the legs, might even find a late finish similar to how he did uh, versus Vince Morales just a few fights ago. So the pick for me is going to be Chris Gutierrez. I trust his durability more. I trust his cardio over the full three rounds, even though he is coming in on short notice. Um, so I wouldn't go crazy on Gutierrez. I think the odds are about right. I'd 
Give him about 63% here, so I'm not extremely confident in Gutierrez, but I do like this fight for him. I think it's a good matchup, and I think he wins this fight via decision. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Poliana Viana taking on Mallory Martin. The current line on Bet Online is Martin minus 137 to Viana plus 117. Viana has been getting a lot of action throughout the week, and I agree with that. I think this fight should be closer line to a pick'em, maybe even Viana as a slight favorite, because I just do not give Mallory Martin very many advantages in this fight. I'd say that Martin has the better wrestling, the better top game of the two. Viana has some bad takedown defense. She's been taken down several times in her UFC career, but she's kind of content to fight off of her back. She's got a good guard. She can throw up submissions off of her back, and she actually won her last fight via armbar from the guard against Emily Whitmire. So even if Viana gets taken down, she'll be looking for submissions off her back. She'll be looking to get back up to her feet. In terms of the striking for this matchup, I just see Viana as the more layered, the more diverse striker. I think she mixes up her punches and kicks better. She's got good combinations. She'll throw punches to the head and then mix it up with kicks to the body in the same combination. And I just see a lot more skill from Viana on the feet. So if this one stays in the striking, the distance striking, I give Viana a somewhat significant advantage. If this fight's on the floor, it's going to be close. I mentioned that I do think Martin is the better top position grappler, but Viana is always dangerous off of her back with those arm bars. It's entirely possible that Viana just gets stuck on her back for the whole 15 minutes, gets out grappled, doesn't have any submission opportunities. But I don't think that happens. I think that Viana is going to be looking for arm bars. She's going to be live for a finish. And when the fight stays standing, Viana is going to be winning those exchanges in the eyes of the judges, landing the more effective shots. So I like Viana in this one as an underdog. Not quite sure how she'll pull this one off because she's kind of a, a weird fighter at times. She pulls finishes out of nowhere. Sometimes she gets finished out of nowhere. But I give a lot of advantages to Viana here. In terms of an official pick for this one, I honestly could see Viana winning in all three ways. I think she could find a standing TKO on the feet. We know Martin has bad defense, is not very durable. We know that Viana could find a submission on the ground at some point, and we could even see Viana win her first decision in the UFC here. So I like Viana here as an underdog. I won't be tracking this bet on my official Bet MMA Tips page because I'm taking a break from tracking women's MMA bets after a long, cold streak of, of bad bets. But if you look at my Twitter, I did recommend some bets before the last UFC card, and both the women's MMA bets I recommended, both of them won. So I'm going in the right direction. I might be getting out of this rut, and we'll see how this weekend goes. The pick for me is going to be Viana here. I'll, let's go with submission. I'd say that's the most likely. Let's go with the Viana submission round one. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Bilal Muhammad taking on Diego Lima. Right now, over on Bet Online, we see Bilal minus 455 to Lima plus 355. Bilal is the biggest favorite on the card, and I'd say it's pretty justified. I agree with where the line is at now. I'd say Bilal around 80% is pretty accurate. I could see this fight being competitive when it stays on the feet in the striking. Lima is a decent striker. He's got some solid boxing, a good effective calf kick that he can use on a lot of his opponents. But Bilal is also a very skilled striker, and I think that Bilal is just a lot better of the well-rounded mixed martial artist. So we likely see Bilal mix in takedowns. He does have pretty consistent wrestling attempts, and he can keep his opponents down on the mat. We have seen pretty bad takedown defense from Diego Lima over the course of his career. His last two losses were both by getting outgrappled by Jesse Taylor and Yushin Okami. I'd say it's pretty likely that we see Bilal mix in a level change, hit a takedown here, and start to outgrapple Lima. And that's why I think the Bilal submission prop at plus 600 likely has some value. 
There's a chance that Bilal just keeps the fight standing and is able to outstrike Lima when it's on the feet, but I think Lima will be semi-competitive there, enough for Bilal to mix in a takedown attempt and to get the fight to the floor, and that's why that submission prop probably has some value. So I see Bilal winning this one pretty handedly. It should be by decision as the most likely outcome, but I could even see a submission along the lines. That submission prop is worth a small poke. Um, so the pick for me is going to be Bilal by decision. It's a hard fight to bet because the money line is so juiced. I don't see much value in Bilal's money line, and I don't really have much incentive to stab on Lima. But I'd say it is dog or pass in terms of pure money line, and I wouldn't recommend Bilal in parlays. And the only bet I could say has some minute value for this fight is that Bilal by submission prop. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Rodolfo Vieira taking on Anthony Hernandez. The current betting line on Bet Online is Vieira minus 400 to Hernandez plus 300. This is not the most compelling fight, so I'll try not to spend too much time on it. Vieira is a jiu-jitsu world champion who has transitioned to MMA, but I've been a bit underwhelmed with his transition. He hasn't really shown me any skills to think that he is going to be a successful MMA fighter besides just hitting takedowns and out grappling people, which we knew he already could do. Fiera is a very muscular and stiff guy, and his striking doesn't look very good, very raw striking. We've seen him pump out an occasional jab that looked decent, but he just doesn't have very reliable offense on the feet. He's really looking to just pressure his opponents, get them to the cage, shoot a takedown, and to do what he does best, that's outgrapple people. He is a tremendous grappler, extremely heavy on top. He's got a great squeeze. He can arm triangle you, rear naked choke you. He's got a great arsenal of jujitsu submissions, but... There's just not much to his game besides pressure, takedown, choke you out. Hernandez is also pretty raw. I'd say he is the better striker of the two, and he will win the striking exchanges when they stay on the feet, but I expect Vieira to close distance to shoot takedowns right when the striking starts not going his way, exactly like he did versus Safabek Safarov. Vieira was pretty tentative in that fight, not really doing much, just pressuring Safarov, but Safarov landed a big head kick. Vieira realized he was in trouble. He shot that takedown. He got the takedown and he got that choke pretty easily. And I think that this fight probably has a similar story. Not much happens on the feet. Hernandez attempts to strike. He might land it. And Vieira is just going to close that distance, hit that takedown, and likely outgrapple Hernandez on the mat, finding a submission. Hernandez isn't a terrible grappler. He's outgrappled decent fighters like Brendan Allen. We've seen him have five-round grappling fights over an LFA where he's shown well-rounded grappling skills, but Pachota is also a decent grappler. Safrov is a decent grappler. We're just going to see levels to the grappling here, and Vieira is going to be two steps ahead on the mat, so I don't have much faith in Hernandez. He needs to knock Vieira out before Vieira takes him down, and if Vieira lands one takedown, the fight should be over. Hernandez might not get submitted right away, but that top pressure is just going to suffocate Hernandez, and I don't see Hernandez being able to overcome that once he gets taken down. I don't see him being able to get back up to the feet, so Hernandez is going to have to knock him out when the fight's on the feet at the start of each round, or else he loses this fight here. So the pick for me is going to be Vieira by submission. Another tough fight to bet because the line is so juiced. It's likely dog or pass in terms of money line, but if you're taking Hernandez here, you might as well just go by knockout. I would think it's very unlikely that he wins this fight via decision or submission. And if you want to play Vieira, it's tough because the submission props are so juiced as well. The round one submission prop is only plus 115. I don't think that's great value. I think there might be some value on Vieira round two, round three submission because as I mentioned, Hernandez is not a terrible grappler. He might survive for five minutes, but eventually gets submitted in those later rounds. So if you're interested in that, look at those Vieira sub two, sub three props. No bet for me in this one and official pick will be Vieira round two submission. 
The next fight is the first fight on the main card. In the middleweight division, we have Julian Marquez taking on Maki Patolo. The current betting line on Bet Online is Marquez minus 163 to Patolo plus 143. This is the first fight I have an official track bet on already. I have one unit on Maki Patolo at plus 148. A lot of Patolo action was coming in earlier in the week, but it seems like that action has kind of faded a little bit and the line is staying about the same the past few days. This is Marquez's first fight in about two and a half years. And Marquez is a brawler. He likes getting in wild exchanges on the feet. Doesn't really care too much about his defense. Also doesn't have the greatest takedown defense. His last fight was against Alessio De Kirico. He was taken down and outgrabbled throughout most of that fight. He got outstruck in the feet by De Kirico as well. I will give Marquez some credit though. He is hard to finish. He does not quit. Even if he's losing earlier on in the fight, eating some big shots, getting rocked at times, he doesn't go down easy. He keeps fighting back and he's actually won a few fights that he was losing early, like the Darren Stewart fight, like his fight on the contender series against Phil Hawes. I think that Marquez really thrives in those brawling situations and isn't really a good fighter outside of them. I don't trust his striking technique if he's fighting at distance. I don't trust his defensive grappling technique if he's fighting a wrestler. So I think this fight is going to be very even. I think it's going to be competitive on the feet. I think Patolo has a chance at hitting takedowns and keeping Marquez on his back. And I think that at range, I would give Patolo a striking advantage. I think he's the cleaner technician of the two. I like the way he digs to the body, good body punching. Another big factor to consider here is how much more active Patolo has been. He's been taking a lot of fights, been very active, while it's been over two and a half years since Marquez has last fought. Apparently, Marquez has been dealing with some personal problems, some injuries. He apparently gained a lot of weight in that long layoff. So I think there's a lot of questions around Marquez, and I definitely do not advise laying the chalk, betting that minus 170 price on him after this long layoff, considering there are so many questions around him. So I'm happy to take a one-unit bet on Maki Patolo here. I love his chances to make this fight competitive a 50-50 type of fight. I'm not uber confident in Patolo to win the fight, but I'm pretty confident that he looks like a good bet. I really see this fight being even 50-50 in all phases, so I like Patolo's chances and I'll be picking him to win this fight. Let's go with a third round knockout for Maki Patolo as my official pick, and I still think there's some value left on Patolo's money line at this price. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Bobby Green taking on Jim Miller. The current betting line on Bet Online is Green minus 252, Miller plus 210. Bit of a disclaimer about this fight it has been reported that Bobby Green collapsed after making weight, and this fight is sort of in limbo and jeopardy right now. So check Twitter before listening to this. Make sure the fight is still on. Check and see if it's canceled or not. But I'll go ahead and analyze it anyway, just in case the fight continues. But in my opinion, I think the fight will get canceled. When you collapse backstage 24 hours before the fight, that's not a good look. So it's definitely something you have to consider as well if the fight goes forward. Will Bobby, Bobby Green look compromised from that tough weight cut? Another note of this fight, huge fans of both guys. They're both great fighters. Huge respect to both of them. And this should be a fun fight if it does end up happening. Miller is dangerous in round one. He's got some pop on his punches. He can hit takedowns. And of course, he's got that great jiu-jitsu skill as well. But he has a pretty steep cardio cliff about seven to eight minutes in his fights. He tends to slow down and to gas out. It happened in his two most recent fights that went to the decision versus Scott Holtzman and versus Vince Peichel. Miller is still a very opportunistic fighter. He often catches his opponents when throwing kicks and is able to turn them into takedowns. That's how he won his fight against Roosevelt Roberts. And he actually did that twice against Vince Peichel, was able to catch the kicks of Peichel and turn them into takedowns. 
In terms of pure wrestling, I do not think that Jim Miller has the wrestling ability to take down Bobby Green. We've seen very good takedown defense from Bobby Green over his career, and especially in his last fight against Clay Guida. Considering Clay Guida's last performance where he looked pretty good against Michael Johnson last weekend, I think that that win for Bobby Green has actually aged pretty well and shown that Bobby Green's takedown defense, his defensive grappling is still very skilled. And you also can see that in his Francisco Trinaldo fight from not that long ago as well. In terms of striking for this matchup, I think the exchanges will be close early on when Jim Miller still has energy. Even though I think that Bobby Green is the better striker of the two, Green just doesn't have the highest output, highest initiative at times, and is kind of known for making fights closer than they have to be. So even before that weight cut thing happened where Green collapsed backstage, I was advising passing on Bobby Green at minus 250. Green just simply doesn't have the aggression or output to be betting at minus 250 because he always makes fights closer than they have to be. So in terms of money line for this fight, it is dog or pass. The value is on Jim Miller, but I do not have much faith in Jim Miller. I think he has trouble getting this fight to the floor where he has his biggest advantage, and he likely gets outstruck while it's at range. You also have to be concerned about the cardio cliff from Miller, as I mentioned. He only really has about 7 or 8 minutes worth of cardio left in him before he slows down significantly. So... In terms of money line for this fight, it is definitely dog or pass. I was advising passing on Bobby Green even before the weigh-in troubles. Now with that weigh-in troubles, it's a clear definite pass. And I think Jim Miller is worth a small stab. I wouldn't go more than a unit. I would probably keep it to a half unit at most because I do not think this is a good stylistic matchup for Miller. And you have that big concern over his cardio in the second half of the fight. So a bet on Miller here is kind of just a fade on Bobby Green. And I think that that's probably still worth it. So keep it small on Miller. Hopefully the fight ends up happening, but I do not have much faith in it actually happening considering the green did collapse. I'd say there's about a 70% chance the fight gets canceled, but with all that being said, if the fight ends up happening, my official pick will be Bobby Green by decision, but hard fight to bet at this point, and it's probably Miller Pass. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Kelvin Gastelum taking on Ian Heinish. The current betting line for this one is Gastelum minus 207 to Heinish plus 177. Right off the bat, I would say this line is a bit wide. There's no way I would recommend betting on Kelvin Gastelum at minus 200 after how mediocre he's looked in his past two fights. In the Darren Till fight, he had very low initiative, barely threw any output in that fight, allowed the fight to be a razor-close decision, and ended up on the wrong side of the judge's decision in that one. And versus Jack Hermanson, who we have since learned that Hermanson has a massive weakness to southpaws. Calvin Gaslam was not able to take advantage of that. He ended up on top of some grappling exchanges and was heel-hooked about 90 seconds into that fight. Pretty embarrassing loss from Gaslam there. Now getting over to the other side, Ian Heinish here. I was high on Heinish when he first got to the UFC, but I've since learned that he's not really a great striker and he only really thrives in a takedown defense type of fight. He has great takedown defense. He's a very good athlete. He's got good cardio over three rounds. So when he's fighting grapplers like Mutanche Ferreira or Shoeface Carlos Jr., he can win those fights by stuffing takedowns, being the more athletic guy, ending up on top of those grappling exchanges and kind of winning those fights on grit. But outside of wrestlers, I don't really see many matchups that favor Ian Heinish. I find his distance striking to be very bad. He doesn't really have many range finders. He kind of just blitzes the pocket, throws big strikes, big powerful shots and sometimes he connects sometimes he rocks his opponents like he did in his last fight versus Gerald Mearsharp but that doesn't change the fact that I think that Heinish is a very basic striker and you got to favor Kelvin Gastelum if this fight is staying on the feet 
I'm pretty confident that Heinisch isn't going to just stand at range and give Kelvin the range he wants in a kickboxing match. Heinisch is going to try to get in close, try to get in the clinch, maybe hit his own takedowns. Heinisch does shoot a decent amount of offensive takedowns, doesn't have the greatest wrestling, and Kelvin Gastelum does have good takedown defense, but considering the athletic disparity between these two, Heinisch is the much more natural middleweight. I think we could see Heinisch hit takedowns on Kelvin Gastelum here. And really what I see this matchup coming down to is I trust Ian Heinisch to have more activity. I think he's going to be throwing more striking output. I think he's going to be mixing in takedown attempts. He's going to be showing aggression and showing initiative to win the fight. While that's not really a strength of Kelvin Gastelum's at times, he's kind of content to sit at range, to counterpunch, to have low output. And he's kind of just a limited fighter. He's got that southpaw striking. But besides that, he doesn't have many aspects of the fight that he's good at. So it's a very tough matchup to predict. Both of these guys are kind of weird points in their career right now, especially Kelvin Gastelum, who has lost two in a row and not looked good in either one of those fights. At least Heinish has a little bit of momentum behind him, picking up that knockout win over Mearshart. But before that, he was struggling with some decision losses. He got outstruck by Omar Akhmedov. He got outstruck by Derek Brunson. So if the fight stays at range, a kickboxing fight, I definitely think that Kelvin Gastelum wins the fight, outstrikes Ian Heinish to a decision likely, maybe even finds a knockout somewhere along the lines. But I just trust Heinish to do more, to close the distance, to attempt takedowns, to make this fight gritty, and where he can use his athleticism and his activity to steal a decision here. And that's going to be my official pick. Ian Heinish by decision, I think it'll be a close decision, but I think Heinish does more. He has a bit of a better lasting effect in the eyes of the judges, and he scrapes his fight out via decision. So the pick is Ian Heinish by decision. Not a super confident pick, but I do have a half unit tracked on Ian Heinish at plus 194 odds. I think the Heinish by decision prop at plus 400, plus 350 also has some value. So I like Heinish to win here, and I'll be picking him to do so as well. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Macy Barber taking on Alexa Grasso. The current betting line for this one on Bet Online is Grasso minus 129 to Barber plus 109. I definitely agree with Grasso being the favorite here. I think that she could even be a bit of a more favorite, closer to minus 170 if we're being honest, because the distance striking here favors Alexa Grasso. I think she's the better striker of the two. She's got great boxing, very solid volume, consistent output in all three rounds. Barbara's striking is pretty raw. A lot of the success that she has when striking is reliant on her athleticism and her power. We've seen lesser fighters like J.J. Aldrich outstrike her for a few minutes. Barbara is able to turn that around, land a big shot, and was able to knock out J.J. Aldrich in round two. And I will give credit to Macy Barber. She is very good at staying in fights when she's losing. She's good at pulling off comebacks. She doesn't quit on herself, and even if she's losing, she is live for a comeback finish at all times because of how athletic and powerful she is. We also have to mention that Barbara is coming off of ACL surgery. She tore her ACL in her last fight against Roxanne Montefiore over a year ago. So she's been taking some time off to rehab that. And that's a factor to consider here. Considering that Barbara is an athletically reliant fighter, she might not move in the same way, might not have that same athleticism as she did before the injury. If Barbara attempts to grapple here, I do not think she has much success. Barbara's offensive grappling is not very good. I don't rate it that highly. And I think that Grasso's takedown defense has been steadily improving. Even when she does get taken down by good fighters like Carla Esparza, she's able to work her way back up to the feet. She's able to attempt submissions off her back. She had Carla in a deep arm bar in round three of their fight. She got taken down in round one of that fight, but was able to work back up to the feet, land hard strikes in the feet. And in my opinion, Alexa Grasso definitely won that fight against Carla Esparza. 
I had her winning rounds one and three, and that fight really proved that she can deal with grapplers, she can get off her back once she gets taken down, and considering that I rate Carla Esparza much higher as a grappler than Macy Barber, I do not rate Macy Barber's chances of outgrappling Grasso very high at all. As I mentioned earlier, I do think that Grasso is the better striker. I give her a pretty significant striking advantage. And if Barbara wants to win this fight, she's going to have to land a big strike on the feet, get the fight in close range, maybe in the clinch where Barbara has some success. And Barbara's going to have to rock Grasso with a big shot. I really think Barbara needs a TKO to win this fight because I don't like her chances at winning minutes to win rounds. I don't think she's going to get Grasso down on the mat and be able to submit her. And I think Grasso is the better striker of the two, so unless Barber is able to close the distance, land a big shot to rock Grasso, I see Grasso running away with this fight. Grasso is going to outbox her, she'll stuff Barber's takedowns, and in the last two rounds, I can see Grasso racking up some big damage and possibly even getting a late TKO over Barber in those later rounds, because I do think the skill gap in the striking is pretty big between these two. We're likely going to see Grasso look much crisper at range, outbox Barber, and Barber's going to look a little bit lost in there. She's going to have to rely on that athleticism and that power heavily to win this fight, and I cannot trust her to do so, especially at plus 110. That's like 47% chance that she uses her athleticism to overcome that skill differential. I can't agree with that. So I think this fight is Grasso or pass in terms of money line, and there is value on Alexa Grasso at this price. Once again, won't be tracking any official women's MMA best for the time being, but I like Grasso here. I think I would cap her closer to 65% here. So there's some big value on Grasso, and I'm going to be picking her to win this one by decision. The next fight is the main event of the card in the welterweight division. We have champion Kamara Usman taking on challenger Gilbert Burns. The current betting line for this one over on Bet Online is Usman minus 255 to Burns plus 215. Big fan of both of these guys. They are former teammates with one another. They're both great guys, great fighters. But unfortunately, I don't see this being a very good fight. I don't think it'll be particularly entertaining. I think it should be a pretty one-sided fight for Kamara Usman, and I'll explain why here. So starting off by talking about Gilbert Burns, we know he's a former lightweight. He had some back-and-forth success at lightweight, decided to move up to welterweight on short notice, and has had a lot of success. He got close but clear decisions over Gunnar Nelson and Alexei Konchenko. He knocked out Damian Maia in round one, and he dominated Tywin Woodley to a five-round decision. Burns had an extremely easy path to the title. He didn't have to fight a single one of the top welterweights. He didn't fight Chiesa, Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. I mean, he got a very easy path to the title here. I think if you rewatch those past few fights, especially the Damian Maya fight and the Gunnar Nelson fight, you see a few things that highlight why this is such a bad matchup for Gilbert Burns. The biggest being that he's just not good on the back foot. When he's being pressured, he doesn't have great footwork. He tends to back up in a straight line. He doesn't really have that circular footwork to stay off the cage. So when his opponents pressure him, he kind of goes in a straight line right back to the cage gets his back up against the cage, and we have seen him get put against the cage, held there by Gunnar Nelson. We saw him get put there by Damian Maia. He got briefly taken down by Maia, gave up the back clinch to Damian Maia. And if it weren't for a dumb mistake from Damian Maia, like going for a back take, he could have just held that position and rode Gilbert Burns along the fence, which is exactly what Kamara Usman likes to do. He likes to get that back clinch, the body lock, and just ride his opponents against the cage, knee the thighs, stomp the feet. It's not the most exciting style and the most entertaining to watch, but it's extremely effective and opponents kind of get their will broken while just getting held against the cage by getting kneed in the thighs and they kind of just get worn down slowly over time. If you look at the way that Burns fought Maya, Maya isn't even a striking threat. He doesn't have power on the feet. Burns didn't have to be scared of his striking at all, but 
All Maya had to do was walk forward. He wasn't even throwing strikes. He wasn't even threatening with strikes. Burns was just willingly moving backwards and giving Damian Maya the position he wanted. So another example you can look at is the Gunnar Nelson fight. Gunnar Nelson held Gilbert Burns against the cage for about four to five minutes of their fight. And Gunnar Nelson is another example of a fighter who's not a great striker, who doesn't have great power or footwork on the feet. But he was able to get Burns against the cage and to control him there just through sheer aggression and walking forward. So when it comes down to it, I just do not think that Gilbert Burns has the footwork, has the skill on the back foot to be able to deal with the pressure of Kamara Usman. It's the small cage. He's going to have even less room to move around in there. And I don't see any way that Burns doesn't get caught against the fence and get grinded out against the cage like Usman does to all of his opponents. If these two are just kickboxing, pure striking at range, I do expect it to be close. But Usman doesn't do that. He's constantly pressuring his opponents, putting them on the back foot and getting them towards the cage where he wants them. I think a lot of people are thinking this fight will be closer considering the background, the jiu-jitsu background of Gilbert Burns. He does have great submissions, but I don't think Burns' grappling style is really suited for this type of fight. And I think that Usman might be the better MMA grappler of the two. I think he uses his grappling better in the cage. He uses the cage to his advantage a lot more. And what we've seen against the cage in the clinch from Gilbert Burns is not good. And I think that Usman will get him in the clinch, will get him against the cage, will take him down, ride him out. And all he has to do is avoid that guard submission. And Gilbert Burns hasn't even submitted anybody off of his back in the UFC. So I think it's extremely unlikely that Burns finds a submission. It's extremely, extremely unlikely that Burns is able to win three rounds and win a decision. So if Burns wants to win this fight, he's going to have to knock Kamara Usman out. And once again, I do not think that is very likely at all. Usman is extremely durable, and he's not going to be giving Gilbert Burns the striking range he wants. He's not going to be hanging out at kicking, punching range. He's going to be constantly crowding him, closing the distance, pressuring him, getting Burns in the back foot where he's not going to be as powerful, and he's going to get Burns to the cage, and he's going to grind him out there. I really think we're going to see a dominant fight from Kamara Usman. I could see a 50-43 type of decision. I could even see Burns getting a finish in rounds 3, 4, and 5 because Burns' cardio can kind of fall off a cliff at times. It's kind of untested at this 170-pound weight class, and I think that it will get really dominant in those later rounds, and Usman might even find a finish in those 3, 4, 5 rounds. So I have a bet on this fight. I have two units on Kamara Usman to win by 4-5 decision. I also have a little bit of a side bet on Kamara Usman round 3 just to be safe at plus 1,300. My official prediction will be decision. I will go Kamara Usman by decision. I just haven't seen enough finishing ability to, for him for me to actually predict him to get a finish here. But be careful betting decision because 3-4-5 finish is on the table for Usman and might get that dominant. So pick is going to be Usman by 50-43 decision. So that is going to do it for this podcast. I already have three official bets tracked on my Bet MMA Tips page, and I might add some more bets as we get closer to the fight time in about 24 hours. So thank you all for listening. I know I'm on a bad streak of official track bets, but I'm still providing good information on the podcast, good suggestions for bets on the podcast, and hopefully I can get out of this bad streak of losing events this weekend with my official bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. So thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoy the podcast. Hope you all enjoy the fights tomorrow night. Hope you all win some bets, and I will see you before the next UFC event. Peace.